Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. Are you guys doing well? Yeah, I'm not like, we don't usually do games, so I'm watching you guys respond to the games, and you got half of you guys are just like, what's happening? And the other half of middle school boys are looking around at every single gummy, gummy thing that was thrown, and they're like, yes, free candy. So no joke, I was sitting behind a dude who literally has all the candy in his hand, and he's eating them while singing. That's disgusting! All right, cool, got that out of my system. So, do you guys like stories? Yeah? You know what, like, I'll tell you a story. Here's a quick story, right? This morning, I'm leaving my house, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I kiss my wife at the door, and then I go into the kitchen, and I kiss Micah. That's my son, two-year-old son. He's like, Daddy, big kiss, little kiss. Big kiss, little, he does that over and over. So we do little kiss, which is, and then big kiss is like I grab his head and just like slobber on him, right? And so lately, he's like, we're preparing him because we're about to have a second kid. So we're preparing him to learn how to care for things. So each of his stuffed animals is now a human, right? We, we try to teach him that. Um, it was working good until he threw the polar bear down the steps this morning. I was like, we're in trouble. This is not gonna be good. So we won't let him hold the baby until he's 10. Um, so anyway, though, he like makes me kiss all the animals. He's like, daddy, bear, dog, monkey. I'm like, that's a rabbit. Monkey, all right, I'll kiss it. But then, dude, the funniest thing happened. I was like, I got to tell this tonight. It has nothing to do with anything, but I need to share. And so I, I kissed those things, and I started walking out, and he goes, Mommy, kiss. Mommy, kiss. And I'm walking away thinking he's, like, asking his mommy, but he's getting, like, mad as I walk away. I turn around. He's telling me to kiss Mommy. <laughs> mommy, kiss. And I'm like, all right, fine. I go back. Ki- I'm not ju- I This is true story. I go back, kiss my wife, mwah, look at him, and he's looking at me with a cheerio, and he goes, Good job, daddy. Uh, True story. True story. I'm like, this kid has my back, right? Literally, he goes, good job, daddy. Cheerio bite. Ask my wife. I'm not making it up, right? We love stories, right? There's something about that, that you guys wake up and you go, I love a story. There's nothing more devastating to me, right? There's nothing more sad than when we walk by individuals and go, oh, I know that face, I know her, I know her. And we walk by the same people every week. We sit by the same people in class every day to think that we can never know their story. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You see people, you know their face, you know what they're about. But if you were to stop and go, do I really know their story? Like, do I even know who you are? You'd go, I have no idea. And so we like to eliminate that, right? We like to to create Christ-centered community where we know each other and we have relationships so we can be authentic and not just another face in the crowd. And so tonight we're gonna have one of those moments. You may have seen her face. You may not have ever even stopped to ask her name, but right now she's gonna come and introduce herself and tell you a little bit of her story. So I want you to welcome Riley to the stage. Come on up, Riley. Right in the middle, right in the middle. Okay. Hey guys, uh, most of you guys probably don't know me because I'm still new, but I'm Riley. I've been going here for about a month now. Uh, my best friend Sam over there brought me. So thanks, bud. <laughs> um, so I'm going to share my story with you guys, and it starts as I was growing up. I pretty much do nothing about church other than the fact that I didn't go to one. Um, 
And as I got older, I realized that I was just calling myself a Christian and I didn't know what that meant. It was just my answer to what people asked, like when they said, hey, do you go to church? Do you believe in God? Are you a Christian? I was just like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know who God is. He's a guy. It's cool. Um, and then the summer before seventh grade, my friend at the time, she said, hey, why don't you come to summer camp with me? It's a church camp, so like you might not know what's going on, but everyone there's super nice. Like You'll have fun. And so I go, and like 10 seconds into my first time ever singing a worship song, I realized that this is what was missing. Like, this is what had been missing from my life, and I was so ecstatic. So that week, I decided that I wanted to follow Christ, and I wanted to commit my life to Christ, and I was, it was the happiest moment of my life to this point. And then throughout the rest of the week, I was sitting, and I was realizing, how am I going to tell my parents? My parents, they don't go to church. How are they going to be okay with me going to church? So I'm dreading this for five days. I'm dreading talking to my parents as I get home. We get home, we're sitting at like a teriyaki restaurant or something. I'm like, hey mom, hey dad, I love Jesus. Sorry if you don't like that, I do. And to my surprise, I was met with nothing but support and they were just so happy that my faith was something that I chose to pursue and that it wasn't something that was forced on me like it was forced on them. So that was pretty cool. Like, they were totally fine with it. They have totally supported me throughout my faith. And so I go through middle school, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. I love church. This is so cool. And right around eighth grade, freshman year, I fell into, like, a really, really overwhelming state of anxiety. And everything, any, like, if someone looked at me wrong in the halls, I would just start crying. And I could not, like, I couldn't handle myself. And I started feeling like, oh, I'm a burden. Like, this is a pain in the butt to everybody around me. I need to take care of this myself. So I started internalizing everything. I just took care of everything myself. I thought that I could handle the world by myself. No, no, I couldn't do that. So around this time, it was as I started prioritizing, like, school and sports over making it to youth group on Wednesdays or making it to church on Sundays. So I had no one around me that was pushing me like, hey, have you talked to God about that? And it was, I wasn't thinking God. I was thinking, I can take care of it by myself. It's totally fine. Um, and towards the end of my freshman year, it kind of boiled over. And everything that I had bottled up inside me like blew up simultaneously. And I started lashing out at my friends and I started lashing out at my family, my sisters, my mom, my dad. And I finally got to a point where I realized this is not right. Like, I need, to, I need to handle this, and I can't do it by myself. So from that point, I really try to live my life in an outward and upward way. So, like, if something is, like, bothering me, then I go to Sam, or I go to someone around me that I know that will say, like, hey, you can talk to me, and you can talk to God about this. And so kind of like as I'm realizing this, that's also how I try to like interact with other people. Like I never want anyone to feel the way that I felt. Like I don't want anyone to feel like they're a burden. And I'm like, I'm still struggling with that myself. So I'm still growing, but I'm trying to help other people grow at the same time. And through this, I've realized like I can't handle stuff on my own. I have to talk to people around me. I have to talk to you guys and like my, my classmates, my parents, my sisters, but I also have to talk to the one person who I know will never be burdened by me, and that's God. 
And it took me about five years to figure that out. But I can feel it's changing as I like really ingrain that in myself. So yeah, that's what I wanted to share with you guys. Good job. Here, I'm gonna have her stand here real fast. I'm gonna put you on the spot, ready? Interview style. So you go, you go to a camp, right? Which, guys, camp is coming up, all right? Camp is coming. So you, you go to a camp, you experience this thing, you hear the gospel message. What, like, what about the gospel? What was like maybe one point, that one lesson you learned that weekend that made you just go, wow, this is what I need? Okay. What aspect of the gospel really just hit you? I think it was really like the fact that everything like has already been predetermined. Hmm. Like every struggle that we go through, every like heartache, every even everything good that happens, like God already knows what's gonna happen and he knows that you're gonna make it through that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was a really, really big thing for me because at that point I had just been like, wow, everything happens on accident. Mm-hmm. But now that I have come to know God and I'm like walking with him, it's life yeah. changes. It's, the, right? it's like a stability from that, knowing somebody's in control. That's awesome. So you surrender your life. You go, Jesus, save me. I want to live for you. And then you told me you got baptized. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, my baptism was insane. It was like my- violently, like they like, what do you mean? No. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like body slammed you? No, like baptism, you know, it's like, that's you being reborn with God. And that's like, that's your new life. And I felt it. Hmm. I went into the water and like I came up and I knew that like from this point on, I have something to live my life for besides myself. Yeah, and that's important. That's what baptism is, right? It's our statement to go, I now live for Jesus. My old life is dead and I'm made new in Christ. And so now you're here, your story's not over. It's not like in the end, I'm perfect, right? No, she's still growing. And so how important are your friends? You mentioned Sam, Samantha over there. And how important are your Christian friends in your walk with the Lord? Um, <clears throat> surrounding yourself with people who you can, like, talk to God about, talk to God with, like, that's insanely important. Like, God made us as people to interact with other people. And so, like, surrounding yourself with people who, like, you can grow with and who will not only just, mm. like, watch you grow but push you to grow, that's been one of the most important parts of my walk with God is, like, having someone to be like, hey, have you read your Bible mm. today? Like, how are you doing? Like, have you talked to God about what's going on? So that's been, like, good. huge. Good. Hey, didn't she do a good job? Let's thank, thank you so much, Riley. Good job. You can keep the microphone. You earned it. Man, you can just, you can just keep it. It's, they'll take care of it. Man, you're a good storyteller, right? She's actually a good storyteller. Even down to the details, she's like, we were at teriyaki. Like, those kind of details make a story come alive. So good job, Riley. Um, man, are you guys glad to be a citizen today? Are you glad to be here? This is good. Well, hey, we're gonna end our night with doing what we do every week, and that's opening the Bible. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. First Thessalonians chapter four. First Thessalonians chapter four. We are continuing our series through this book called Keep Walking. Keep Walking. All right, question for you. Then we're gonna be honest here. How many of you have ever been in a room a classroom, your friend's room, maybe a locker room. You've been in a room and your homeboy or your homegirl, ring, 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 pulls out their phone. They get a phone call. They start talking on the phone. And how many of you, when you're being honest, all of a sudden you get a little bit of a little nosy, right? 
Like you're in the room and you're talking like, hey, what's up? Oh, I'm so sorry. I gotta take this. It's, it's you know who, right? And so they pick it up and they start talking like, hey, how you doing? You're like, who's she talking to, right? What's going on? And you can almost start to imagine the conversation on the other side of the phone. It's almost like you can hear through the phone based on what that person is saying, right? So for me, I grew up, my mom is Puerto Rican, my dad's Italian, but they both speak Spanish fluently, right? And so instead of being like a very loving and caring Hispanic mom to teach me how to be bilingual, she decides to make Spanish like the secret language. You know what I'm saying? And so every time she pulled out the phone and like I'm talking about, hey mom, how you doing? I'm doing good, blah, 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 blah. She goes, oh, hold on, I gotta take this. And then she looks at her phone, she looks at me, she goes, hello? I'm like, She's using a secret language. What is she saying? Hey, mira, hey, yeah, okay. Uh, quiero, quiero el pan con queso y me escuta papas fritas McDonald's. And I'm like, who is she talking to right now, right? And you try to like listen through the phone. What is she saying? Maybe you're with your friend, right? And you're like about, come on, bro. We're gonna go play the game. And you're going, he's like, oh, hold on. I got a phone call. Hey, yeah. T- tonight, yeah. But babe, I want to hang out with my friends. <laughs> you're like, dude, like, you talking like your girlfriend or you're whining to your mom? What's going on there, right? It's like you're, just, you're listening through the phone of like, what's going on? And so it's like you can hear through the phone the conversation that's taking place. The last couple of weeks, Paul's on the phone, right? And he's talking to the Thessalonians, right? He's talking to these people that he's led to the Lord, that he loves. And as you hear him talk, you start to understand what's happening on the other side of the phone, right? You hear him say things like, brothers, you need to not live in the passion of your lust, but in self-control. My brothers abstain from sexual morality. And you can start to imagine they're struggling to stay on the road marked holiness. But then he continues, right? And so we get to a passage like we're here tonight and you hear him on the phone and he's talking to the Thessalonians and through the phone, you can hear they're nervous. They're confused. There's a lot of fear going on right now on the other side of the telephone. There's a fear that we hear, a confusion and a sadness. And you're like, what? What's going on? What, What are they talking about? And you kind of, you know, you're being nosy, right? You know how we all are when we're nosy? We're like trying to act like we're not paying attention. And we're like, yeah, right? You're like, it's upside down, sorry. Uh, and you're trying to listen. And so you listen here. And as Paul is talking to the Thessalonians, you learn that they're nervous. They're scared because their entire Christian life, they have been looking forward, right? They're on the road and they're looking forward to the end of their days, which is called the day of the Lord. They're looking forward to the day that Jesus comes back and gathers his saints to be with them. But they're scared because they have a major question. They say, we know Jesus is coming back. We know he's going to bring us to be with him. But Paul, we're confused right now because here's our question. What about those who die before he returns? I'm living for Jesus, we're living on the road, we're waiting for him to come back, but my cousin just died. My uncle just died. My mom just died. What about those who didn't make it? What about those who passed away before he comes back? And so it's like we're listening to the phone call here. 
And Paul, he hears death. He hears death running around in the background. He hears death on the other side of the phone, messing with his people. And so like a good spiritual father, he grabs, he goes, listen, put death on the phone. Put, I wanna talk, put death on the phone right now because I wanna tell you something. He says, I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you to be uninformed about death. I need to give you some instructions here. And so we have the phone conversation. Are you uninformed about death? No, I, I can write a book on death, man, I get it. No, honestly, like, is death scary to you? What happens to you when you die? If you're a Christian, what can you expect in death? If you're not a Christian, what should you expect in death? Today, we're gonna listen into this phone conversation, okay? I want you guys to take out your phones, metaphorically speaking. We're gonna listen into this conversation, not because we're being nosy, okay? You're like, I'm intruding on the Thessalonians' conversation. No, 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 we're not being nosy. We're gonna listen to this conversation because God saved it, right? Like a voicemail. God saved the phone conversation because he wants you to hear something today. And so we're gonna look at this phone conversation starting in verse 13. Are you guys ready? We're, we're gonna, we gotta put death on the phone here. We gotta listen to this. Are you ready with me? If you're not ready, we can hang up and try again next week. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. That was weak sauce, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I'm gracious. Here we go. Starting in verse 13, let's check it out. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. All right, let's look at this again. Look at verse 13, and I want you to listen carefully. Listen to the phone conversation, all right? Put your ears to the phone, listen. He, he picks up the phone and he says, I don't, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about, about those who are asleep, yes. No, I don't want you to grieve as others do who have no hope. What is he talking about? What's going on on the other side of the phone right now, friends? Do you hear it? The people on the other side of the phone, they're encountering death, right? The people on the other side of the phone, they are experiencing death. How does our culture respond to death, huh? Doesn't our culture fear death? Honestly, right? Like we just celebrated Halloween yesterday, right? So what we do is we will do anything to try and avoid looking death in the eyes, right? We're scared of death. We don't like to look at death. That's, it's so final. It's so scary. And so we joke about it and we dress up as skeletons and zombies. We go, <laughs> see, death is the stuff of child's play, right? We don't like to talk about people dying. So we come up with these expressions. Oh, he just, he's at the pie in the sky, right? He kicked the bucket, right? He's cashing in the chips. And, and we talk about these things to try to neuter death. We use these expressions to try to limit the scariness of it. How many of you have been to a funeral where the body was up front? I'm curious. Okay, yeah. When I was a kid, I went to many funerals, right? From parents or friends and relatives and all these things. But since I've been an adult, I've actually never been to an open casket funeral. You look at the trends, I don't wanna say in the industry, but you look at the trends, more people are opting for memorial services over funerals. 
They don't wanna look at the body, right? They don't want to look at death in the face. So we rather have a picture up and a vase and just talk about good memories. We don't want to look at death. We are scared of it. But students, no matter how much we joke, no matter how much we try to trivialize it, no matter how much we try to hide, death has a way of just showing up, right? Death has a way of showing up on your doorstep and, it, and it's cold and it's hard and there's no more running, no more joking, no more averting your eyes. Look at me and you can't escape it. It's final. It's the end. It's no more. That's how culture views death. But I want you to look at these words. Does this sound like a man who is scared of death? Look, look at Paul, right? He's on the phone. Look at the way he's talking. Does this sound like a man who is scared of death, right? He says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep. The brothers, Christians, when they look at death, they refer to it. And Paul's referring to this in the same way the New Testament does many times as those who are asleep. Are you catching that? Oh, how poetic, right? Oh, what a great way to kind of like make it not seem heavy. No, those in the New Testament, Christians, children of God, they don't talk about death like this final and permanent thing, right? They're not talking about death like it has the last word. They're talking about death as something that is as temporary and harmless as a nap. He goes, oh, they're asleep. Jesus walks in, right? And you have this whole mob, right? Not like a bad mob. I'll call it a squad, right? And the squad, they're like, this one dude's like, Jesus, please, my daughter's dying. Please, please, please. Come on right now, right now. He's like, all right, I'll come with you. He's like, yes. And he starts running and he looks back and Jesus is like, oh, you need healing? He like stops. There's like a whole healing for this girl. She's healed, right? By the time it's all said and done, the squad comes up to the dude. They go, stop bothering Jesus. She's dead. Death shows up. No more running, no more joking. Your daughter just died. And Jesus looks at me and goes, don't worry. And he walks in and all the mourners are there and people are just crying their guts out and they're just, you know, they got the ugly cry on. You know what I'm saying, the ugly cry? Like sometimes you get a little tear in your eye and then sometimes it's just snot and the knot and it's just, it's just an ugly, anybody ugly criers? Yeah, I'm an ugly crier. Yep, you don't wanna see me cry. It's ugly, it'll make you cry for different reasons, you know? And so he walks in there and you got all the ugly criers on and he's like, everybody get out. Why are you crying? And they're like, don't you see? We're at a funeral, Jesus. And he's like, everybody, she just, she's just asleep. And they laugh at him, right? Why is it that Jesus, why is it that children of God look at death, not as this scary and final thing, they look at it as something as temporary and harmless I said, nap, she's just asleep. Those who are asleep, I know you're grieving, but you don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. You don't have to grieve as people who have the sting and bite of, of death. No, 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 I know you're grieving, but we have hope. Anybody confused yet? No, don't be overly religious. No, yeah, of course, yeah, nobody's feared death because we're Christians, I mean, I don't fear... How is it that a community of people, especially if you're new here, maybe you're new and you're, you're a brand new Christian or you're not even a Christian yet, you look at this and you go, how is it that this group of people can look at something as powerful as death and just be so nonchalant? 
Sam, you're dancing up on the stage. How can you look at death as something as harmless as a nap? How can you speak about death so casually? How can you actually say you have hope? And so this is where the critics, right? This is where the, the professionals, they'll look at our community and they go, sleep. This is a classic condition of foolish optimism. You see what the Christians are doing to try to alleviate their pressure. They're just being overly optimistic. It gives them a sense of hope and closure. So those stupid little Christians, it's just some optimism. It's a coping mechanism. Is that what this is? Is Paul just being foolishly optimistic? Is Paul like, in sad denial? You know when you talk to someone and you're like, hey, bad news. Nope, I don't believe it. Just asleep. No, it's not. Is Paul just in sad denial? Students, how is it that he can talk about this? How is it that he claims that he still has hope even in death? And the answer is pretty simple. He believes that a force more powerful than death has come along and knocked the teeth out of death and taken the claws off of death. He believes that there's something more powerful than death. Look at verse 14 here. For since, everybody say since, so this is why he has hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Time out, <laughs> time out, because I know what you just did. I know what you just did. You read that Bible verse. You have no idea what it means. So you just kept going by, going, oh, I don't get it. Just keep reading, right? Evasive Bible reading maneuvers. And you just keep going. No, no, read it literally, all right? Oh, that must be a metaphor. No, no, We believe, everybody, we're gonna do this together, ready? We believe that Jesus died and rose again, metaphorically. No! Spiritually speaking, no! We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Students, do you understand this? I love the Christian club. They're just so optimistic and they're just so encouraging. No, no, at the core of who we are, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. You understand that? Jesus is not just some like history figure, you know? And even in your classes, your, your teachers will acknowledge the existence of the historic Jesus. He was a good teacher and he's right up there in the hall of fame with Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and Mother Teresa, maybe Oprah, you know? <laughs> Probably not, but was Jesus just a teacher? Was Jesus just this good figure? Was he about social justice? Jesus was a savior who came to save, not just a teacher who came to teach. Students, look at me, please understand this. Jesus was a savior who came to save. But here was the rub. Here was the rub. This dude shows up named Jesus. He's, a, he's claiming to be a savior, but we have a problem, friends. He can't even save himself. We have a problem, friends. The people you believe is a savior couldn't even save himself because he was beaten, mocked, and then they killed him on a tree. What a savior, huh? What a savior. Couldn't even save himself. And everybody walks away with the little <laughs> teenagers. You know what that is. <laughs> Give me your like best like, <laughs> call that the, I call that the mark of derision, right? <laughs> so they walk away doing that. But you have to understand what happened there. This was actually all part of the plan. This is part of the plan. If Jesus Christ came to save a group of people from Rome, if he came to save a group of people from some emperor or some Caesar, he would have came with a sword. But he actually came to save people spiritually. So he died on a cross instead. Because check this out. On the third day after dying, he actually rose from the dead. 
And it shows that it was all part of the plan. He had to die so that he can raise from the dead and show his complete dominance over death. He had to subject himself to death so that when he was raised from the dead, he would show, I am who I said I am and death doesn't have the final word, I do. Death is not the biggest, most powerful thing on this earth, I am. I've bested death. The ultimate I told you so moment, right? Like, dude, honestly, don't you guys struggle with that? Like when you're like, when you're right and somebody says you're wrong and then you're proven right, don't you just wanna be like, told you so, right? The ultimate I told you so moment. Jesus was who he said he was. He rose from the dead. You're talking about this a lot, Sam. Why so much death and resurrection? For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Students, Jesus physically rose from the dead. And that's important for us because look at the second half. Even so. What happened to Jesus is an exact picture of what we believe happens to you. Do you get that? The fact that Jesus was dead and rose again, that is exactly what will happen to every person who is in Christ. Even though you one day die, you too will be raised from the dead. We learn that these people don't lose hope in death because they follow the one who has bested death. Just as Jesus died and rose from the dead, God will bring with him those who are asleep. Those who are asleep, those who are dead. Christians who died before he came back, have no fear because Jesus will resurrect you. He will bring you to be with him just like he did to Jesus Christ. Just like he did to Jesus Christ. Students, pause for a second, pause, look at me. This is real life. This is real life. It's so easy to like, we think that Jesus is like this extracurricular activity. You know what I mean? Where it's like, here's my real life. Here's my, or, or here's my real life. Here's my real life. Okay, all right, youth group time. Okay, all right, thank you, Jesus. Back to my real life, right? We come up here. Jesus is not some side piece that enhances your life. He's not some extracurricular. He's not just a little bit for your morals. He's not, Jesus is the defining center of your life. If you're not a Christian here and you're like, what is this all about? What are these people into? Are they into like morals? Are they into justice? We are about following Jesus Christ and he takes center stage of our life. And when he does that, Everything else is radically affected. He makes us brand new when we surrender our life to him. He gives us a new heart, a new community, a new purpose, and he gives us a new relationship to death. If Jesus Christ stands at the center of your life, students, your relationship and experience with death is radically different than those who don't. Radically different. Some of you here, I understand you're young and you haven't experienced much death yet. Some of you are here and you go, man, I've never lost a grandparent. I've never lost a parent, a friend, a cousin. And you, and you like, maybe this doesn't connect, tuck it away. But then I also know that there are many of you here who have experienced the loss of loved ones, the loss of friends, the grief of death, the pain of suicide, 
all those things. You know how real it is. And you know that even though we trivialize it and we try to minimize it, you know that when death shows up, it can be an intimidating foe unless you follow one who's bested it. And if you do, students, the big idea tonight is that in Christ, we have hope in death. In Christ, we have hope even in death. We still grieve, right? Like you're, you're not gonna be a human by saying you lost a loved one. You go, well, no, it's not a big deal. No, 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 we don't minimize, like we're not, we're not in denial. You still grieve. You go, dude, I'm never gonna throw a Frisbee again with my bro. I'm never gonna go on a long car ride with my father. I'm never gonna have a good conversation again with my friend. And you grieve that and you're sad and you miss that. But the sting of death, the hopelessness of death, the finality of death is removed because you know that death is not the end. For those who are in Christ, they're just sleeping. For those who are in Christ, death doesn't have the last word over their eternity. Jesus does. And so students, what's your attitude toward death? What's your attitude toward death? When you're being honest with yourself, do you have the, the fear of death that culture does? Or do you have the confidence of Christ? And you know what? Your relationship to death will be determined by your relationship to Jesus Christ. So when I'm asking you, what's your attitude toward death? I really should be asking you, what's your relationship with Christ? If you're in Christ, you have hope even in death. But if you don't, does death still have the final word over your eternity? Do you still look at Jesus as some history figure who has some good morals? Or do you see Jesus for what he really is, students? Do you see Jesus as a God who loves you so much that he demonstrated it by moving into your neighborhood, putting on skin, and then dying for you so that you wouldn't need to experience or fear death? Is that your view of Jesus? If it is, surrender your life to him. Come to the one who died for you and say a very simple prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, make me brand new. I wanna live for you. Like Riley said in her story, I love Jesus and I don't know what else to tell you. There's a song for you, right? It says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. What's your attitude toward death, students? It's based on your relationship with Christ. In Christ, we have hope even in death. What does that look like? If you're like me, right? You're like, okay, Jesus is gonna come back and I'm gonna be resurrected. That's still like blowing my mind as it should. But what does that look like? You wanna see what it looks like really quick? Anybody want a clear picture of the future that's not from a movie called Left Behind? You're like, I already read the book, Sam. Don't worry about it. No, no, you wanna see what it really looks like? Isn't it cool that Jesus doesn't leave us wondering? I don't know, I think I may come back for you. No, he makes it super clear. Do you wanna see it? In Christ, there's hope, even in death. And now look at the ending here. Let's check out what it looks like. Verse 15, you ready? If you're ready, say ready. This is the grand finale. All right, here we go. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. This is sick. This is one of the like, this is one of those passages in scripture 
that like you should highlight it in three different colors in your Bible. It should like bleed through the page. And you're like, why do they make Bible pages so flimsy when the Bible is so strong? Still don't get it to this day. I don't get it. But this is one of those passages, all right? You will like make a box around this. This is, this is key. You will tattoo this on your body, okay? Just kidding, just kidding, all right? Right after the gathering, don't miss it. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, anybody alive today? I'm not surprised, all right. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede, that means come before, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. If you're not careful, you will get to this page in your Bible you will read it fast and go, what in the world does that mean? Keep reading. Let's slow down and look at it, okay? What he's saying here is this. Jesus will come back as a conquering king. Let me share with you a story. We like stories today, right? So in the old days, in the ancient of days, when a king would leave his throne. When he would leave the capital city, he would go forth into battle and he would take his troops and they would march on, right? And they're going. I'm sorry, I won't do that again. And so they march on and they go and they leave the city. And so now the people in the city, the people who live around the palace, they have no idea when the king's coming back, do they? The king doesn't leave and go, hey, I'm gonna like defeat the army in like five days. Make sure we're, I'm back in time for Stranger Things, right? Don't watch it without me. I'll be right back. You never know when he's coming back. However long it takes to conquer the known world, I guess, right? So Caesar, Augustus, they all go, right? And all these kings, they leave. And so you're home, right? And you're just doing your thing. You're like s sneaking in a few episodes of Stranger Things because you Netflix cheated on your friends, right? Uh, hypothetically speaking, I'm not gonna name names, right? And so you do that and you're watching TV and you're living in community and you're doing these things and you go, shh, shh, shh. Did you hear that? Did you just fart? No, no, sh listen, listen. And you go, is that what I think? Is that what I think it is? And you go put on your shoes real quick, right? And you're doing your makeup, you know what I mean? It's like, is that how you do your makeup? Yep, yep right, so you're doing your makeup and everybody runs out and they run out of the houses and they listen. The king has returned, right? Or maybe that was Lion King. Never mind that. They said something different, right? The king has returned. And so here's what they do. They go, the king is back. The king is back. You know what that means? That means he won. If he didn't come back, that means he didn't win. He's back. He's conquered. He's gonna return to the throne. So what everybody does is, they're not, like imagine if you're king who's been gone for months he, or years, he's coming back and you're like sitting down watching TV and you like shout at your window, welcome back. <laughs> right? Like, you don't even like pause the movie. Maybe you do pause it because you're respectful. You pause and open up your window and go, congratulations, close the window. What would you do if your king is coming back? You get up, you get out, right? So everybody, you're like, she's riding around. You better turn off that TV, girl. We're getting up and getting out, right? So they grab their children. Everybody runs out. They go to the outside of the gates, right? 
That's where the herald is. That's where the trumpet is sounding. That's where the cries of command are coming from. Stand up, come out, the king is back. Stand up, come out, the king is back. Stand up. You guys aren't standing. I'm just kidding, don't do it. Thank you, but don't do it, right? So you stand up and they all go outside of the gate. They meet the king outside of the gate. They pass him through. Think of Jesus, right? What is Jesus doing when he's coming into Jerusalem the week before he dies? They're out of the city and they're waving him in with palm leaves, right? Palm Sunday is coming up soon, right? Is that like Christmas? No, that's the week before Easter. That's right, thank you. And they're waving things. That's a picture, So they go out of the city, they're waving things and they go, here he is, the king has returned. The king has returned. Three cheers. That's where that was invented. The hip hip hooray was invented in the ancient of days. That's not true. And so they come in, tough crowd, dude. Hip hip hooray, that was classic. (laughs) King comes in, they follow the king back into the city. Are you following me? They are honoring the conquering king. That's exactly what we just read. Look at it, right? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. Stand up, move out. The king is here. There's a cry of command. The voice of an archangel. Dude, imagine if your herald was an archangel. Come on, son. Anybody see a knight's tale? Dude, the herald in the knight's tale, he's the best. The ferocious, the one and only Lord Farquaad. You know, anybody? Watch it, homework assignment this week. Watch A Knight's Tale with your parents, okay? So you have a herald, but your herald is like an angel. What does that sound like, right? You have the voice of an archangel and you have the sound of the trumpet of God. Do you get get what those verses are saying? The king is coming back. The king is at the gate. Jesus is definitely coming. That's what that's saying. And if you've seen Left Behind, no disrespect to Kirk Cameron, good dude, KC, this is not like a secret thief in the night. Where did everybody go? And why are they all naked? If you've never seen Left Behind or read the books, you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't bother. It's a theory on what it will look like when the Lord comes back, right? And it's like this secret thing where it's like, I dream of genie. It's like, bling, they're all gone. No, when Jesus comes back, it's not a secret everyone will know because the voice of an archangel and the command of God and the trumpet will be here. This is a big deal. Jesus is coming back. Look what else we see here, just like our metaphor. We will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those are dead Christians. The dead in Christ will rise first. Everybody, get up, get out. The king is, be- the king is here. So literally, the dead, they're coming out of their grave. You're People on the phone, they're nervous. What about those who died? He goes, don't worry about them. They're gonna see Jesus before you. (laughs) They're good, right? You You won't precede them, they'll precede you. So the dead in Christ will rise first and we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. The king is coming and we're gonna go see him. We're gonna go see him, students. We'll be caught up, snatched up like a bird of prey coming and right? But it's Jesus, not a raven or whatever, right? He's snatching us up. But you know what else is cool here? I noticed when I was thinking about the metaphor. In our metaphor before, it was get up, get out. The king is here. But in this picture, it's not get up, get out. You're not going out to see the king. You're going up to see the king. Because the king is not coming from another city. The king is not coming from a neighboring town, coming into town. He's coming down to town, right? 
Not downtown, down to town. He's coming down. He's not coming from a neighboring sitting. He's coming from heaven because his area of rule is not a capital city. It's the earth itself. It's a conquering king. And then the last part here. And so we will always be with the Lord. When Jesus came the first time, Christmas time, do you guys do not like, am I allowed to tell them? Max, should I not, not too soon? Can I give them a little bit? Dude, Christmas at Citizens. That's all I'm gonna say. Best three weeks of your life. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave it there. I'm not gonna say anymore. I'm not gonna say what we're doing. I'm not gonna say all the special things. I'm not gonna talk about the traditions. I'm not gonna say those things. Just the best three weeks of your life. So anyway, Christmas is when Jesus, co- dude, Christmas. It's when Jesus comes the first time. He comes as a baby. He dies on a cross. When Jesus comes back the second time, he's coming on a horse and a sword is strapped to his side and he will destroy all that is not of God. He's a conquering king. When he comes back the second time, students, we get to be with him forever, forever. This is real life. This is real life. In Christ, we have hope even in death. So what are you gonna do about it? Well, thanks for that, Sam. I will note that in my journals and I will tuck that away for a rainy day when the king comes back. No, like, what are we supposed to do with that news, right? I just gave you this information. Jesus, by a word from the Lord, right? Paul, by a word from the Lord, just told us that we don't have to fear death. He just told us that if you're a Christian, death is not the end. He just showed us our end. So you know what you should do about this? Do you know how we should respond tonight? You know how we should respond this week? You know how you should respond tomorrow when you're talking to your friends who've experienced death? You know how you should respond a year from now when you're talking to your family who's experienced death? Look at verse 18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. In the face of death, in the face of fear, remind your friends, in Christ we have hope in death. When the weight of grief seems like it can crush you, remind your brothers and sisters, death is not the end. In Christ, we have hope in death. When you see your brother or sister struggling with hopelessness in life, remind them, in Christ, we have hope in death. When you see your friends wandering from the road marked holiness, encourage them to live in light of Jesus' return encourage them. When you see your brothers and sisters forgetting what is at the end of the road for us, remind them and encourage them. Jesus is coming back. He's coming. He's coming back. And we will be with our God and Savior forever. In Christ, we have hope in death. Will you encourage one another tonight? Will you encourage one another by singing truth? Like you come in, right? And you do this and you're like, Wow, look at that guy up there with the beard. He's a good singer. Wow, right? Not Max. Max doesn't have a beard, right? He still has puberty to go through. But Tyler, wow, right? And so you look it up the music leaders, right? And they're singing all these songs. Do you know why we sing songs together? Because when you're singing truth and I come in on a Wednesday night and I just need somebody to give me truth, I listen to the person singing next to me as I sing. You ever show up on a Wednesday night and you go, I'm gonna be honest, dude, I got nothing in it. Right, you show up on a Wednesday and you go, school, school, 
more school. I have nothing tonight. Maybe the person next to you needs to hear you sing. Encourage them. Maybe you see your friends at school, right? You see your fellow Christians and you see them despairing and they're discouraged. Maybe you show up to a memorial service. Maybe there's a tragedy in your family or your school. This message that we have here, this is a source of encouragement. In Christ, we have hope in death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that even when we talk about something like death, even when most of the room gets tense and quiet because we go, oh, this is uncomfortable, it's death. I thank you that we can treat death differently. I thank you that in Christ, our relationship and experience with death is radically different. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you are coming back. I thank you that you are patient and take your time because you want more and more people to come and put their faith in Christ. So thank you for your love and grace, Lord. Father, I pray for those who are here, Lord, who say, you know, I don't honestly know what my relationship with death is because I don't know what my relationship with Christ is. Lord, please pursue them. Pursue them in a way that only you can. Use the students in this room. Use the youth staffers in this room. Use the people in their lives, God, to declare the gospel to them. And bring them to the point where they will surrender and say, Jesus, save me. I want to live for you. I thank you, Lord, that you're developing this community to look more and more like Jesus. I thank you that you're growing students like Riley and Anna and Colton and other students that have shared their ongoing story. I pray that you continue to, to grow them into maturity, Lord. And Lord, finally, on the day that you come back, whether we're asleep or we're remaining alive, may you find us faithful enduring all the way to the end. In Jesus' name, amen.